Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. Hi, this is Adam Huss coming to you from Los Angeles. Thanks for joining. Deanna and Alfie Alcantara don't like to see wasted potential, and they see lots of potential in the wealth of America's endemic grape species. Not only potential for new vines that are adapted for the climate in which they're grown, don't need to be sprayed with chemicals, and make wines that truly reflect their land, but also potential for engaging and involving all kinds of people, especially those who might feel excluded or marginalized by the dominant Euro-centered wine culture. So Deanna and Alfie have started a project to revive, refine, and redefine the native grape and wine cultures of America. They found a piece of property in the Catskill Mountains of New York, and they begun planting vines from grape species that contain native DNA, some new varieties that aren't even named yet, and others with names like Black Eagle and America, and still others that they found growing wild on their property. They are at the beginning of a project that can take many, many years to begin to see the impact of their efforts. I think there's something brave and hopeful about starting something that can take longer than the years you've been given on this earth. And I think these are the kind of projects that we all need desperately now. So I hope Deanna and Alfie will inspire us to think about what is important enough for us to give our lives to, even if we know we won't see the results. Oh, and I forgot to mention, their name for this project is Dear Native Grapes. Maybe that's where they get their inspiration, because what they've started is something much more meaningful than a business plan. They've started writing a love letter. Enjoy. Alfie and Deanna, thank you so much for having this conversation. Welcome. Thanks for having us, Adam. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Um, uh, man, it's it's honestly my pleasure and my, you know, I, I well, I, I want to start uh, before I jump over my own thoughts and sort of paint a picture here at the beginning that um, as an outsider myself who got a glimpse of this project that you've just started that, you know, so that this will hopefully be the first of several conversations. But um, I just want to paint this picture. So Wendy and I recently, you know, took Centralis on the road. We went to New York a couple weeks ago. And during our visit, we stayed in an Airbnb near Walt, New York. And on this beautiful, breezy, sunny morning, we drove out into the countryside outside Walton, uh, which is already itself pretty far out into the countryside. And uh, we wound our way up to your farm. Farm is farm the right word yet? Sure. Yeah. There's a barn on there's a barn on the property. I think that qualifies. Right. Yeah, we call it the farm. Yeah. And met you guys in the best possible way at the top of a sort of mountainside that was an open slope sloping down to this forested valley below with views of the rolling mountains in the distance around and and on this mountainside you have planted at least 20 different varieties of literally like native some of them to that forested valley below your property at the bottom of your property and some just some of the the hybrid native varieties that have been you know, around for a while and some new ones that you're checking out. And and we had the honor of planting some Vitis estivellis, uh, just one part of a row because it took us forever because we're slow diggers. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was such a treat, honestly. And 
that's what you guys that's where you are and that's what you're doing and i just want to talk a little bit about how how that all got there like um obviously the all the vines are babies so you guys have a long way to go but this is a really exciting project for many reasons you you i got to know you through your instagram channel channels totally wrong word and wendy is going to make fun of me for saying that um but your your instagram account called dear native grapes um so maybe that's a good place for you guys to start about what what's dear native grapes mean well adam it was awesome that you and wendy got to come out and we got to um actually it was what uh not even noon and we were already tasting some good wine you brought down uh, from the finger lakes which is great yeah uh, <laughs> and, was nice. um, yeah well, <laughs> you need wine to work right especially yeah. in a vineyard yeah I, i've heard that's how they do it in france maybe <laughs> and um, in new york apparently yeah but dear native grapes is kind of our experimental vineyard it's uh looking to bring back these forgotten almost lost grape varieties um from around the american landscape and it's you know, as romantics, it's our love letter to them. Um, hence, dear native grapes, it's the start of a story. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. We're at the start of this very long journey. But uh, it's just it's just kicked off. We're, we're in our infancy, just like our, our baby vines. And that's beautiful. I, I love the romantic aspect of that. What so that that says a little bit about you. Could you say more about the two of you? Where? How, how did you end up there? And where? Where are you from and what do you, what, yeah, where are you from and what's your background? <laughs> uh, well, I grew up in Mexico, in Mexico City, and I met Deanna while we were both in college in New York. Uh, I had moved up to New York City and we were both in film school. And um, we actually didn't meet until the last, literally the last week of school. We, we were in the same class uh, for four years, had the same friends and everything and we just never crossed paths and it was our our friend who was shooting his thesis film and it was like a lord of the rings-esque type story in the woods of upstate new york and i was i was the cameraman on it and deanna was uh, the assistant director and that's how we met on set and nice. you know it's kind of how we fell in love gosh it sounds yeah. like this is the connection to why you're talking to los angeles right now <laughs> i feel like feel like you're just part of the the la tribe right now um <laughs> yeah, i wish i wish <laughs> so deanna um she she's a through and through new yorker um yeah i was born and raised in staten island um hey. schooling out there went to the city for college um but yeah my my whole family's tri-state which is New nice. Jersey, Connecticut, and, and New York. Um, and yeah, Alfie and I crossed paths, and um, we we started dating immediately. Um, and we've been together since 2010. I love that. So you had film at the beginning as a common denominator. When did wine enter the picture? We, I think it was kind of a collection of moments and experiences that uh op started opening our eyes um I, I was a plant nerd when i was when i was young i i was obsessed with uh carnivorous plants when i was little i made my parents like drive me to like some far away plant nurseries in mexico when i was growing up and we you know there i had good parents and 
Um, well, I, I'm get, if you ever visit Los Angeles, uh, of course you have a place to stay here. Uh, but I don't know, maybe you already know this, but the Arboretum has an entire greenhouse dedicated to carnivorous plants. Here. Oh my God. And Santa Anita. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. It. It's no, like it. a, you walk into a jungle and you're afraid because That's you might awesome. get eaten. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Well, it hasn't gone away, but uh, I definitely <laughs> moved on to other, other, other uh, horticultural yeah. interests, <laughs> if you will. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I was a plant nerd, so I, I loved uh, plants. I loved working outside. I loved working with dirt. Um, but then moved to New York City and, and didn't have that possibility anymore. Like just I, I just like like a lot of New Yorkers, you like dream of having uh, an outdoor uh, space, you know, even a balcony or fire escape to like have like a, a pot of something there. But um mm-hmm. Before I, I moved to New York, um, I went to boarding school in Colorado, and that was awesome because it was a very much a outdoor experience um, where I really uh, learned to love nature and learned to be outside and, and just, you know, uh, get that um, nurture that part of, of uh, I guess, like my, my spirit. Um, yeah. But yeah, the contrast between... Colorado and New York was pretty stark. And so I, you know, definitely like wanted to figure out a way. Um, but, you know, we kind of, I got like pretty, uh, um, I got pretty focused on my career. I, I'm a cameraman by trade. And so I, I, you know, was laser focused on that, on film school, et cetera. And, um, you know, once Deanna and I were, were dating, we were living together uh, I think it was when we started going to um, June Wine Bar in, in Carroll Gardens. We started drinking natural wine. That must have been like th- four years ago or something like that, three, three years ago. And we made friends with the staff. They were awesome there. And they started uh, really opening our eyes to uh, what natural wine was and producers who were from unlikely places, grapes that were obscure and we'd never heard about, but they were just fascinating to drink. And and uh, do you want to talk about when we started uh, seriously looking at this? We, we took yeah, a... Yeah, we took a... It kind of all culminated in like a, a trip we took to Maryland for New Year's. Um, and I unfortunately got a stomach bug while we were there and I was sick, very scarily deeply <laughs> sick and oh, i was up in a bathroom for most of new year uh new year's day uh, but uh, Alex was taking care of me and i was like in bed all day and we were i felt so bad we were at friends places so when i was sleeping alfie would go on these little hikes around the the neighbor's property and he stumbled upon this like old forgotten tiny tiny vineyard and um they were pulling it out they were ripping out all the vines um and Alfie had like chatted with the the team that was there and they were like, yeah, these are, these are grapes that just won't grow here. And Alfie's like, but why? And he, he just kind of like latched onto this, this nugget of information that like, here is this beautiful thing that um, was being ripped out. And for what reason? And like, it, he kind of went down a rabbit hole that night being like, well, what grape variety was this? And can we do better? And I think that's when you stumbled upon Munson's book. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was this really picturesque little vinifera vineyard in, in Southern Maryland, and they just like gave up on it. 
because uh, it was impossible to grow it without uh, intensive chemical agriculture. And they were like, right. we're done. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, 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 that that's what led us to to find uh, Munson's book, uh, Foundations of American Grape Culture, uh, is, is what I think is called, and um, and that just led us down this rabbit hole of like, oh, like America had uh, a ton of grape growing pre prohibition, like eighteen hundreds. There was a lot of uh, innovation happening, and all that kind of stopped uh, after prohibition, and then there was never an opportunity to kind of retake it and, and, and re and, and continue that work. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of that knowledge either got lost or was still there, but it was just forgotten. It was, it was dormant, just like uh, some of these varieties that were almost lost. Um, is it, is it too harsh for me to say about that vineyard that they were pulling up good riddance? Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also like a, uh, pretty uh it's a pretty clear uh indicator too that like even if for they didn't want to grow there uh yeah you know you can't force it um yeah you know you're talking about high disease pressure and a plant that is uh despite being beautiful and having the the ability to create something beautiful like you know is not possibly meant to be there right yeah, and yeah. off trying to find out, well, what would grow here? I've never heard of great varieties that would grow kind of in this colder climate. And that's when we were like, oh, wait, people are doing this. It's just they're they're kind of in the fringes. They're they're experimenting just like we're looking to do. Um, and so there there were these like hints of this going on in Vermont and um, in the Finger Lakes. And, you know, that's when we decided to kind of really dive in. You know, Alfie had been talking to me about this again and again. He was like, oh, this is so cool. Why aren't people doing it? You know, where can we find more of these like native or hybrid grape varieties? And he kept talking and talking. And finally I was like, well, why don't we turn this into a reality? Why don't we like kickstart this dream and like get it laid out on paper? Let's see what it would cost to like buy some land and plant some grapes and like bring these these varieties back. And, and Alfie's eyes just like lit up, and he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> He's like, "Of course!" Like, why didn't I think of this? Um, and so, really soon right after that, we enrolled in some Cornell courses about how to build a, a business plan um, and a financial plan. Uh, we would actually uh, go to June, the wine bar in Brooklyn, where we first discovered a lot of natural wines. And we started writing out our business plan in a corner table. We just bring our laptops and like drink <laughs> wine and work. And um, maybe it was an excuse to go drink <laughs> natural no. wine. But um, we'd spend hours there just like hashing out like, what does this mean to us? What are our values around it? Like, why do we want to do this? And you know, how practically do we do this? And so I... Dana put us on a very aggressive uh, savings plan. Uh, we moved to a cheaper apartment uh, further in Brooklyn to save on rent. Uh, we basically put in, basically all, almost our entire paycheck would go into our savings account to like, we were like, let's save on on a down payment for some farmland and like, just like, you know, bite the bullet. We would still go to, go to June uh, every Sunday, but like, you know, we were like, let's let's aggressively save and like 
we did that for for a few years while we were like you know doing the research doing the the work but like deanna's the one that like put it into ac action I, I would still be talking about it like <laughs> if it weren't for her yeah. well that sounds like a great partnership um <laughs> i love that i well since you did this work you should have like ready answers then for yeah i mean you've just set yourself up to be asked what why are you doing this what is your vision what do you know what are the values behind this what's what's <laughs> What were your answers to those and or, and have they changed or are you still living that? Uh, no, absolutely. It's it's something that we talk about literally every day. And it's uh, this idea of uh, taking what's there. Um, in this case, uh, this country's um, wealth in uh, endemic plant species in, in agriculture and doing the best we can uh, with it. To make something beautiful and something meaningful, um, I think that w w one of the things we uh, talk about a lot is like the the idea of wasted potential is so uh, painful to me. I I, I I don't like to see when something goes by the wayside that has potential, and we see uh, this country's grape variety grape varieties as something that has so much potential to be explored still and is like just at its very infancy and so that's i think what excites us and what gets us going and i think for, yeah. for me a little bit more on that it's like sometimes the wine industry can feel inaccessible or it's you have to have a baseline of knowledge or foundation to walk into a wine shop or to drink different types of wine and you know, we really wanted to break that down. Like I am by no means um, full of, you know, top knowledge of every wine uh, region and what grapes always come from where. And, you know, I'm still learning and like, that's okay. And like, we should make wine that allows people to ask questions about where did it come from? Uh, why are we planting it? Um, and just like open up that entire sector. Like let's make wine more accessible. So people feel like, it's not something that they need for a fancy dinner. It's something you can drink with breakfast. It's something you can uh, have uh, with friends at a barbecue. It's, you know, it's something that, you know, is for the people. It's, it's not for this higher echelon. Um, yeah, much that, that much. diversity of grape that we've almost lost. Like, let's bring that diversity back into um, our grape varieties. You know, why exclude these native and hybrid grapes? Um, when they have so much potential. Yeah, I mean, I think if if we're building a, a a culture that reflects terroir, I mean, when I was there visiting, when Wendy and I were just there visiting, we stayed on another property a little closer to the Finger Lakes than you guys are, and and it was like a hundred over a hundred acre property, and so we just spent a lot of time. I mean, I spent a lot of time wandering around the woods and edge edges of woods, and I, I came back with just like hundreds of pictures of native grapes climbing you know, the edge of things like climbing the edge of the forest, climbing the edge of these ponds, climbing, you know, the edges, uh, they're everywhere. They're literally like, I mean, the, that world that you live in there on the East coast is teeming with grapes. And it makes sense that those would be the grapes that you'd start working with if you were starting, you know, starting, uh, starting out. It's, I almost feel like we're at a, like a really great moment in history for this project that you guys are embarking on in that, you know, we, we basically imported 
a foreign culture of, of winemaking and grape growing from Europe. And in the last, I mean, to, to have the current, you know, wine culture that we have in, a, in the U S and over the last, you know, 50 years, viticultural techniques and, uh, and winemaking techniques as well, but especially viticultural techniques have really advanced to the point that, you know, I think we could have rapid, understanding of what the potential is and how to adapt these vines now in a in a in a in a much faster way and how to you know i guess breed is one of the words that you would use but how to just sort of you know keep keep shaping keep selecting for the the characteristics that we need and and also with the rise of natural wine i think people are open to these new things like for the first time since wine sort of became a thing in the us you know it's been french dominant for up until now literally and now people are like and there's this whole other world besides france you know um and different flavors it doesn't just have to be varietally correct cabernet you know it can be a million different things you know you can make a million different wines just from Cabernet that don't taste anything like Cabernet, let alone all the other grape species and varieties that are out there. Um, sorry, I'm going off, but that is to say, uh, I, I think you guys really have, have started something really beautiful. I mean, it's it, how do you plan to approach the, the sort of time aspect of this? The fact that you have, you know, you're, you're like... We, we think of the monks as having perfected Pinot and Burgundy over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, where, you know, where do you guys fit into that time frame and, and how do you see that playing out where you guys are? Where, where, where is that? Where are you on the time frame? Totally. Yeah. I think it's, we're in the not, you know, the very, very start of something. And it's cool to see a community already, uh, building on it um you know friends that we see on instagram that have a similar project going or are interested in this they start to do a a small planting of of uh of hybrid or, or native varieties uh it's you know in our lifetime we're probably gonna you know maybe we find the no spray grape for our bioregion where we are in the catskills and like that's the wine that we make uh for the next you know, 40, 50 years, however long. Yeah. Um, that would be cool. 60. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, 120, but, hopefully. <laughs> like you said, it's, it's, uh, you know, it took how many thousands of years to cultivate Vitis vinifera. Like we're just scratching the surface on North American varieties. And, right. you know, especially, some of the, like some of the North American varieties are barely touched, you know, in terms of cultivation. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of work done back in the day with, uh, for example, a native species called Vitis labrusca, and uh, and labrusca has a very uh, specific uh, flavor profile, and 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 the hybrids that were developed from that kind of carry that. Uh, and some people like it, some people don't. But Labrusca is one of uh, several, one of uh, probably a dozen uh, prevalent native uh, grape species in the U.S. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's cool to see work being done horticulturally with the other grape grape species that, you know, didn't have a chance yet. So it's like it's right. just getting started. And that's what's really cool about it. Uh, now, can I ask you guys, I mean, just to give a sense of this 
for anybody who's not aware. As I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, all of the grapes that we know or have known as wine that come from Europe, you know, whether it's Sangiovese, Nebbiolo, Norello Mascalese, if you're in Italy, if whether it's Syrah, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc, Cabernet, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling, you know, all every grape literally is the same species. It's literally Vitis vinifera, and it's basically varieties within that species. And Correct. here we have like 23 in North America. I mean, it might not all be right where you guys are, but in, you know, you probably have dozens, like you said, but in North America, I know we have over 20 species of grapes. And so you think of like the potential that Europe discovered over thousands of years in one species. We have 23 species to explore. You know what I mean? It's like, it's an amazing, amazing potential, um, as you're talking about. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and so do they. And, 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 you know, it's cool to see a lot of uh, viticulture in, in Europe already starting to look at that. Yeah. Uh, exploring yeah. different hybrids. Also, Porto just approved uh, yeah. for, yeah, for the AOC. They just approved new varieties. Yeah, new exactly. Hybrid varieties. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I saw that. That's amazing. Awesome. I mean, that's the brilliance of like what you guys should do. I, I'm just going to throw this out there. The brilliance <laughs> of France is you name your wine for a region we totally screwed up and we we were like oh no we ha- we're gonna name it for the variety so now the french are actually gonna charge us royalties to use their grape names for real that you guys know about this right they're gonna charge us royalties to use the grape names cabernet sauvignon and that's like a requirement like if you go to create a label you have to say what it is unless you just call it red table wine mm-hmm. and so what we should start doing is naming our wines for regions so you guys should be whatever region you you should start the ava and that's good should be with the the wine should be called not a grape name <laughs> like and then when you change in a hundred years because the climate is now instead of being you know like a temperate mid-atlantic you know sort of whatever you guys have there it'll be what you know who knows what it'll be in a hundred years a desert maybe um <laughs> you'll you'll you you could just change the grapes and keep the same name it won't matter right. you can still be the you know the dear native grapes for uh wine so wild to think about <laughs> it is i hope it doesn't turn into a desert there um I hope, <laughs> we're banging on it <laughs> at least not in your lifetime um well, yeah. So t- let's talk about what you are growing there. Like, what is what's what's in the ground, and what what do you have planned? Yeah. So uh, we started planting actually in 2020, um, and some of that during COVID, which was you know was, we bought the land in 2019. We always had this plan to to get all these these baby vines into the ground in June of 2020, and and COVID came along and we had to kind of readjust our priorities, readjust our plans, but we were really lucky to have um, a few family and friends who would get tested. We would get tested and they came out in just small groups to, to kind of help us push forward and, and realize that, that dream. So we're so indebted um, to them because that year we planted, um, I believe, over like 18 different varieties. And this year we planted another acre of about, I think another six. So we have about 24 
different varieties of grapes. Um, some are these wow. pre-prohibition varieties from the Hudson Valley, like Empire State, Golden Drop, um, Black Eagle. And then there are more pre-prohibition, oh, heritage North American varieties like Delaware and Catawba and, and one named America. Um, yeah. And then there are these newer hybrids from, from Minnesota, um, Frontenac, Itasca. Some of you, you've surely heard of Marquette, Brianna. Um, oh, but yeah. I think some of the things that we're really interested are these experimental hybrids from Virginia, from Cliff Ambers. And they're all, Adam, the, the, the vines you, you and Wendy were helping us plant, uh, they're experimental hybrids that are from the uh, species Vitis uh, aestivalis, uh, which for us is one of the most exciting things we have growing just because of the balance of sugars and acidity the grape has. It reportedly has really good tannic structure and it can grow here without uh, without spray, and so that's you know those all those things are things that interest us in 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 this project. You know, um, yeah. I so. I mean I'm I'm sitting here thinking I should record a PSA for you for like when you have when you're trying to recruit workers and it'll just you'll play this little video you'll send them like a link or something or play a little you know have everybody sit in front of a TV screen old school style, and and it'll be me talking about how what you're about to do is participate in history. Like this is the be- <laughs> your hands are, t- are touching the future of wine in this country. You will be shaping the, the future of American wine. I could go on um, <laughs> and give everybody a little pep talk. So that <laughs> they'll be like, yeah, sign me up. I'll, I'll come dig holes and pull, you know, things out. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know how we still have friends. Like people like, <laughs> still come up and like we make them do like uh, hard labor we're digging like you know through like some really rocky soil and like uh, <laughs> right. we're very lucky but it's it's super exciting oh yeah you, yeah do you want to talk a little bit about what that specific property is like the pros and and i, I mean i don't know that there are cons but you know just the the descriptive aspects of it and and what the yeah what the what the terroir is like yeah, totally. So it's uh, we're in Walton, New York, which is in the foothills of the Catskills. It's the western part of the Catskills. And so that, you know, the whole Catskills region um, during the last uh, glaciation, uh, about 10,000 years ago, the glacier kind of ripped up a bunch of stuff and like left the Catskills behind, essentially. And so during that whole process, uh you know, a lot of rock material and a lot of things were moved around. And so what we were left with were these like really cool, like uh, hills and big mountains and like hollows. Uh, and we're in one of these like mountain hollows that you, you drive up from kind of the base of the, uh, this river valley um, where the soil is this, you remember Adam, it's kind of this like rust color. That's, you know, all the sediment that, uh, yeah that comes from all that, um, you know, water moving through the river valley. And so you kind of drive up and, and you kind of gain some elevation and you're going through essentially a forest. It's like, you know, definitely an Alpine setting and you arrive and it's kind of like an open, uh, side, like hillside, essentially. Um, it's all rolling pasture. Um, but it's all like some really sloping terrain. Uh, when we started, 
hunting for property and, and farmland, it was the first place we actually saw. And we were like, oh, shoot, like this is this is great. It's like south facing. It's got the exposure. It's got the slope. Uh, I somehow convinced Deanna that same day we we took some soil samples. We went to the local hardware store and bought. We were like, should we buy? Should we spend the the, the fifty bucks on the actual shovel, or like, should we buy this little child shovel? And I was like, let's buy the child shovel. Like, we only need it for the soil samples. We're only here for like an hour, and so we did that, and immediately uh, regretted it because we realized that like this soil is like extremely rocky, and like <laughs> it's, and like overlapping slate. So it's not even like you could get around. Some of these, right. the rocks, it's like right. you literally broke that shovel. Uh, oh, yeah. On using it. <laughs> Within um, one minute. Yeah. It started raining. And then Alfie was like, well, we we're supposed to dig 10 inches down and we could only get two inches. I was like, this is going to hours. It was really bad. Um, but uh, <laughs> we have some great pictures of us collecting Ziplocs of dirt. Yeah, so it's it's a very extremely rocky soil. Uh, it's all sedimented uh, sandstone, red sandstone, and bluestone, as they call it in this area. Um, is the bluestone like a kind of slate? What is? is yeah, that the... and it's and it's actually um, the material that's used to build a lot of the uh, municipal buildings in New York City. Uh, back in the day, mm. the Catskills were was a big uh, area for quarries uh, for rock oh, material, okay. and so a lot of a lot of New York City is built on on you know, Catskill is stone. Um, so you get the brown stones and the blue stones. <laughs> yeah, the blue exactly. stones. <laughs> got both stones. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that was, you know, I've heard like people kind of say like, oh yeah, like you're farming in the Catskills. You're going to be talking about rocks your entire life. And like, it's not, it's not a lie. Like no. it's, I don't know. They just keep popping out of the ground you and like, them. I don't know yeah. how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it, it was definitely one of the hardest parts about doing this was the rocks because it's like uh we uh, you know when we started seriously uh planning for planting we were like well let's let's you know we didn't want to mess with the soil structure um and you know do like a we didn't want to get a like a ripper and like rip a line right. and, you know uh we were like we want to preserve the uh mycelial structure and 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 do this the kind of less uh impact uh impactful way as possible and so we we're like let's let's rent an auger from home depot and so we did we did that and like on the first day like we were like oh it's gonna take us five six hours to drill like 10 holes and like oh we had to drill like 2,000 holes. So it's like uh, immediately we were like, oh, man, how are we going to do this? And yeah, it, what we thought was going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll do it in like two, three days. We'll dig all the holes. It took us like four weeks. Yeah. And it was like. So you just, you just, so did, did you decide it was worth it to just own the auger at that point? Afterwards. We were really gung-ho on like, okay, we can knock this out. We'll just drill holes morning from dusk to dawn, like, or from dawn to dusk, we'll just drill holes um, and we'll knock it out. Like, how hard could it be? Um, and then, you it, know. It broke us. It like, it, it was definitely it one of those was, things. It crushed like, our, not just yeah. the rocks, but our soul our sometimes. Like, we still have injuries yeah. from it. Uh, like, our hands yeah. didn't really work that well. <laughs> but, like, you were, we're slowly recovering. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, it's, it's a very, there's a lot of, uh, like, there's a lot of uh, mountainous kind of, 
terrain uh, and it's right on the edge of uh, about 500 acres of nature conservancy land. And that's really cool because it's, um, I remember reading about this uh, whole idea of the edge, the edge effect where two ecosystems yeah. uh, meet. Um, you have a lot of uh, diversity in, in plant and animal life. And I, yeah. I think that's kind of what we're having because it's like, it's, it's pretty awesome to see just you know, every day, you know, we, we do have a lot of deer, which are now kind of concerning, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. but the wildlife, you know, black bear, fox, like the, the bird activity we see, like we saw two bald eagles yesterday, like, like, I don't know, they were like doing some kind of mating ritual in the sky and they were like flying in a spiral and like kind of wrestling. We we're like, oh, we wow. see that like every day. Like it's insane. That's um, amazing. Yeah the amount of uh, diversity that that's there. And so it's cool for us to think about this little vineyard, which also gets hammered by a ton of weather mm-hmm. um, year round, even though right now it's the summer. It's kind of like the gentle uh, period, but like it's exposed. And so like the grapevines are already uh, not as like luscious and big as some, some, some of our friends uh, vineyards and, more gentle areas like the Finger Lakes or the Hudson Valley uh, mm. where, you know, there's a little less harshness. And so like, it's, you know, it comes with its challenges, uh, especially in the winter, which is like, oh, our first frost this past year was uh, September 1st. So wow. it's like, oh, you know, we need to find the grape variety that will ripen <laughs> the fastest and will have the bud break the earliest. You know, it's like such a crazy environment. But I'm sure if you had early bud break, you risk it on the other side too. Definitely. You risk the frost on that side. Definitely. Yeah, we had uh, our, our first, our last frost was June 6th. <laughs> yeah, last year. What? This year. This year. You've got, yeah. Wow. Rough. So two months for grapes. Yeah. <laughs> no, pressure. no pressure. No pressure. But that's why this is an experiment. And, you know, we're not here to force any of the grapes that are just like, yo, this is not where I want to be growing. Um, right. You know, if, if they don't survive, it's okay. We'll, we'll figure out what does and we'll, we'll steer those and guide those forward. Um, but yeah, so that most of the grapes survived their first winter, um, which was really exciting. They, they lived That's under awesome. feet of snow for quite a wow. while. And you guys didn't, out. you didn't like, uh, like, uh, what sort of like bury them at all with dirt or no. mulch or anything? No, okay, so. we we want to do the the we want to find that grape that is just the least amount of right. intervention. You know, it's like totally. you yeah, yeah, you do. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What am I thinking? I don't know. Don't... Yeah, no. It's uh, I I um, one of my uh really good friends um, in in back in high school and in, in boarding school uh is has a. His family uh, ranches uh, in Colorado, and and his dad grew up in uh, a little village in northern Mexico in, in Sonora, uh, and they used to raise their horses there by releasing the um, the yearling, the the very uh, you know uh, baby horses uh, into the desert, into this like rocky, like harsh landscape, and they would leave them out there for. Uh, a, a couple of years or two or three years or something like that. And they would come back and wrangle them. And wh- whichever horse had survived, those were the, the ones that would get like trained as the ranch horses. And I heard that story. I was like, that's in- first, that's insane. 
but also, right. you know, uh, maybe let's think about that as for the grapes. Like we <laughs> yeah. want to baby them. Uh, we kind of baby them the first year. We, we, one of the mistakes I think we made was we used, um, those blue, uh, cylinder vine shelters. Um, oh yeah. And for us, uh, in our situation, I think it was a mistake because it, the grapes didn't feel the like, the wind pressure, yeah, the whipping weather. winds that come through. They didn't feel the kind of like weather that like rolls in every day. Um, right. Right. And so I think, uh, it kind of set them back a little bit. And so this year we were like, no, no, they're, they're going they're you know, if it works, it works. Yeah. If it doesn't, then we, <laughs> we pivot. I love it. Well, you're definitely throwing them to the rocks. Um, <laughs> three years in the rocks and then beyond the whole life in the rocks. <laughs> oh, that's great. But they're very um, well watered. I mean, Delaware County, where we live, um, is the watershed. And so it's where all of New York City gets its water from. And so we're very water rich. Um, yeah. And so nice. we don't have any irrigation in the vineyard we we want the vines to tap into that natural water table um yeah plus that with the the amount of rainfall we get um we think is enough to keep them going and also yeah those uh fungal challenges yeah too. with the pros there's some some cons with that the disease pressure but we're keeping it yeah you'd imagine I, I and i imagine well i i mean i guess it's different in different parts of new york like you said you you guys get a little more of the coastal climate versus the finger lakes which get that more continental climate um you guys could get pot potentially some big storms that come up from like the gulf of mexico for example you're not that far inland where you wouldn't get the edge of that right right yeah definitely definitely uh nice yeah that's that's amazing um and the and the soil looked pretty heavy too like kind of clay uh like that rusty clay yep it, yeah. mostly rocks but a little bit of clay <laughs> mixed in <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's a uh, silty uh silty loam uh very light brown in color uh i think it's pretty cool and, and it changes yeah. throughout the field um oh interesting which is interesting yeah it changes colors uh as you kind of go and and it, it makes sense so you know you kind of see some areas in in the vineyard that are lower and you know that's probably where water has kind of naturally you know there, there is a, a part in uh our field where you stand and you do hear uh like a trickling of a stream and there's like no water around so i think uh, there's crazy. like the the bedrock is pretty shallow um in some parts wow. and so i think it's just fractured bedrock and just like natural spring water flowing through there's just a lot there's tons of water in the in the catskills mm -hmm. that is nuts i mean it's nuts I, I mean i want to go back to that picture that i painted which is like this is a steep hillside like the fact that you have shallow water running it's i mean it's amazing yeah that's crazy like that's amazing um wow um are you documenting this in video i mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't know if you guys have ever seen the the video the documentary the biggest little farm Yes. Oh yeah, we loved it. Uh, we loved yeah, that. I mean that sounds like something you guys should do for wine. Like, I know. For, for grapes, like yeah, it's we, the know, perfect. I'm, I'm a cameraman. Deanna's also yeah. in film. Uh, so many of my film friends have been like, "Dude, are you documented?" I was like, "I haven't pulled out the camera out in the field at all. Like, I, I'm just I forget about it. I'm like 
focused <laughs> on other things, but maybe we should. Yeah. I mean, we take out our cameras. We, we like to document in photos um, yeah. rather than video um, for some reason. Um, so we have a, an abundance of photos from throughout the season, throughout the different um, friends and family who have come visit, to visit us and, and to help us out on the field. So like, there's definitely like a story there and there's definitely like a, a, a visual history of the seasons and how we've evolved and uh, who's passed through. But in terms of like a, a video recording, we haven't really done much. I think we're too good. We're, maybe we're just too close to film production. Yeah, and like, too- I, I had a friend who was like, can, can I come like shoot uh, you guys? And I was like, you're not putting a, a wireless mic on me. Like, no way. <laughs> We're so used to being behind the camera, Adam, that the thought of being in front of it, I think, scared us a little bit. Well, yeah, no, just, I hear you. You know, it's well, not natural for us. Do the do the documentation now. Don't worry about the voiceover. I mean, you can always do voiceover. You know, you can always do, like, the interviews later and splice it together. But at least you'll have footage. You'll have, like, the B-roll and, you know, some of the A-roll. That you it's can... mostly just footage of, of, of uh, farm failures uh, constantly, <laughs> like, every day. That's the, that's the whole, yeah, but that's the story. That's part of the, that's you know, you the challenges see. overcome. Exactly. Like, we want to see how you problem solve. I mean, that's literally, like, what that whole documentary the biggest little farm is all about it's like yeah this this problem cropped up and then this is how we solved it with natural means and then this problem cropped up and this is how we solved it yeah it's like you're rooting for them the whole way through because it's like farming you know it it brought farming to life in this sort of like national geographic because the per you know the guy was a cinematographer so he had like you know that slow-mo of like the eagle coming in to get the gopher and you know like in the time lapse of snails eating like an entire orchard to bear or whatever um but you guys could you know like it's that idea of like the struggle of farming is real and you guys are living it we we are rooting for you um (laughs) all right adam you you convince me I'll, i'll i'll bring the camera along more often awesome good well i mean and i mean it it is very photogenic there i mean like i was saying that's what i was trying to bet like when you're out there working the view is spectacular you have this i mean it sweeps away the vineyard sweeps away down into that hollow i love that word hollow like there aren't enough hollows in the world (laughs) um and where uh, from whence you have pulled some cuttings from the native vines down in that hollow that you saw packed with grapes right and those are now part of the vineyard yeah, so we're actually growing um, three three full rows of uh, this Vitis um, riparia wild a, a wild grape that we found last year, uh, just like loaded with beautiful fruit. Um, so we're yeah we're, we're we're we took cuttings from it in the winter, and we're growing about 150 vines from it, uh, and see what happens. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I remember when Alfie discovered those those vines. He was walking out to like a fishing spot um, and all of a sudden encased all around him were these beautiful grapes hanging off of these vines that were entrenched around like just different trees and, and fauna. And he was like, oh my God, look at these grapes. They're beautiful. They were untouched. They were like these perfect, like tiny little berries. Um, yeah. And he was like, we should, we should see what this tastes like. Like, and why not grow it? And I was like, cool, let's do it. And we went out in the winter and we took a bunch of cuttings. And yeah, like he said, now now they're planted in the vineyard and we'll we'll see what becomes of this little berry. 
That's amazing. That's very cool. I, I mean, I, I had the same instinct. I just don't live there and didn't want to like do suit, suitcase clones back to California. From hey, but you have uh, you have some some uh, native grape species out there as as uh, probably uh, uh, you've you've learned from uh, from Matt and the North American wine. Absolutely, press. yeah, absolutely. Um, that is Californica, absolutely, yeah. and. We have some other, you know, stuff that I, some native fruit bearing plants that I think might be better for Southern California. I mean, we do have, you know, in the river bottoms here, some grapes, but in large, it ain't that hospitable for grapes. Once you get south of, you know, the, the, the San Gabriel mountains, it's pretty, pretty rough down here. Actually, north of the San Gabriels is the Mojave. The Antelope Valley is pretty intense too, yeah. um, but yeah, I'm working on some stuff. I got some stuff planned. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I this is yeah. I think that very excited. That's part of why it's very exciting for me. I'm just excited for for you know things to be grown where they're supposed to be grown. It's a it's really. I've I've just by coincidence uh, been listening to an incredibly beautiful book called Braiding Sweetgrass, which oh, I... Oh, yeah, I love it if, so much. Yeah, if you haven't read it, highly recommend it. And speaking of books, um, so you mentioned the Munson book. Can you get repeat that title? Yeah, absolutely. Let me just make sure I get it right. Um, it's, uh, it's a book by uh, Thomas Volney Munson um, called Foundations of American Grape Culture. Okay. Uh, and he's an awesome character. Uh, if you have time, research him. He had a big role to play in kind of saving uh, uh, viticulture in Europe during the phylloxera. Um, he basically had the key role in that um, oh, okay. as the one of the horticulturalists who uh, figured out that maybe we should uh, graft uh, the European vine with the American rootstock, which was already uh resistant resistant yeah. to the phylloxera so that that was him and so he was you know he was living in the late 18 uh, mid 1800s um yeah and he was a botanist hortic horticulturalist in texas and he was already concerned at, at that time about the loss of uh of north american grape species uh from the westward expansion that was going on at that time he's like worried that you know cattle is moving to the west and with it our our north american uh grape species are disappearing because of loss of habitat so you know it's kind of interesting to think about how he was already concerned about that then you know right yep um any and i guess my my question the follow-up to that was uh, well a two-part follow-up any other books that have been influential helpful that you'd recommend for somebody who's interested in learning more about natives and hybrids from north america or you know the the sort of the native hybrid culture of wine and wine growing totally um yeah, yeah there's a for for those interested in uh, grape growing in, in New York or, or in nor the Northeast. Uh, there's a great book called The Grapes of the Hudson Valley. And that's written by a, a historian uh, named Steve Castles. And he's been awesome in, uh, he's been he's been a great help in helping us find a lot of these rare pre-prohibition Hudson Valley hybrids. Because a lot of them are like either disappeared or just, he basically uh, has some of the last uh, few uh, varieties growing in his 
uh, <laughs> own personal backyard vineyard, or it's a it's much larger than a backyard vineyard, but it's it's he like has a, a small vineyard in, in the Hudson Valley, yeah. and so he's he's sent us cuttings from a lot of them too. So um, they're either gone or he has them. Basically. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, wow. Um, there's also a book called, um, sorry, Adam, I'm just going to look it up right now. Um, no, no, that's good. And you know, maybe while you're looking that up, I mean, Dana, like, what have you guys learned? I know this is like a huge learning curve and there are people like Hassels and did I say his name right? Um, who, who are, and others, you know, who have been, you know, at similar projects have been working with hybrids, been breeding grapes, uh, trying to trying you know the people obviously like we have whole universities in minnesota and yeah close to you there at cornell who you know whole programs that are dedicated to breeding these varieties in in ways that are commercially viable what have you guys learned like what is what's been part of that learning curve like you know have you had mentors have you have you you know you anything along the way that you've picked up um just fun stuff and whatever what's totally. been valuable and totally what's that been like um one of our uh mentors in um you know this journey of finding uh grape varieties uh has been um cliff ambers and he is a virginia wine grower and he's basically dedicated his life to finding uh grape hybrids that can be the no spray solution for the Northeast, you know, and like his work primarily is centered around Vitis Aestivalis. And it was through oh, wow. him that we got, um, uh, we got the, the two, the two varieties that you were helping us plant Adam, um, that he, you know, he spent decades, uh, just observing and developing. And a lot of these, uh, grape growers, that's kind of the life, you know, that they have. It's yeah. like they spend decades and decades observing, yeah. and observing, and observing. Uh, it's such a long process, and like it's been awesome to um, see him and and a few other uh, grape growers uh, be so open to sharing their knowledge and sharing plant material and being like, yeah, like go experiment at your site, you know, like we want more people interested in this because this is like a really good possible uh, tool for, for grape growing in America, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important to, in terms of like things that we've learned, um, you know, I would tell anyone to be as hands-on as possible. You're going to make mistakes. Alfie and I, you know, jokingly say one step forward, two steps back. Um <laughs> Because every time we, we try something, sometimes we feel like we're being pushed back, but it just leads you in a different direction or on a new path that then gets you to where you want to be. And you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but that's okay. That's part of the process. And like the one thing I'm, I'm really grateful for, um, having moved, you know, far away from my family, far away from Alfie's family, you know, we, we are really appreciative of the community that we've built here and that has supported us um, when we were just starting out, offering to help, offering to, you know, talk to us about digging holes and building fences and how they put in uh, fencing for livestock, but maybe we can apply some of those things to uh, a vineyard. And, you know, that that sharing of knowledge um, 
was really instrumental in helping us because we would test out these different theories or we'd have a friend come visit and they'd say, oh, why don't you just do it like that? And we'd be like, why don't we do it like that? And it's just kind of this like insight that can come from anywhere. It doesn't need to be from experts in in wine growing or, or, or wine making. It could just be from your mom or dad who, who have their own set of, um, you know, to do's and knowledge that they've learned from their family and, and just like a different viewpoint that, that helps push you along the way. So, you know, there, there's no secret sauce, you know, every vineyard is different. Every soil structure is different. Like there's no one size fits all. So you just have to kind of find that, that secret sauce that fits uh, your recipe. Um, and, And yeah, just be open to, to, to advice from wherever you can get it and test it out. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you, like you said, just a different perspective can can it, even if it's not somebody in your field, like it's uh, just having a different way of looking at things can open your eyes to a whole new possibility. Um, exactly. Adam, well, sorry. Yeah that that book. Did you find that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book. Uh, one of the books that uh, we literally, I like, we read every almost every day is uh, Michael Phillips' uh, The Holistic Orchard because. We're actually oh, adapting yeah. a lot of his his teachings uh, to uh, to grape growing, and it's going really well. Uh, he's he's to us. He's kind of the Yoda of uh, grape growing, yeah, it, or, if, or, if or apple apple growing. Yeah, if that is a really good way to describe him, <laughs> <laughs> he is he is the Yoda of apple growing. Michael Phillips. Okay, so his book, The Holistic Orchard. Yeah. Got it. Oh yeah, and Mike, and have have you checked out? mycorrhizal planet yet oh yeah okay i'm yeah, sure yeah. we're yeah <laughs> they're the books are they're like falling apart the books are like uh literally coming off <laughs> that's fantastic yeah um uh, one piece of advice i i heard from steve Mathiason is don't put apple trees near your winery though because you'll end up getting i forget what it is but there's if you have if apple trees are near your winery you'll get some sort of something in the wine um i'm now forgetting now if you listen this is a total plug for the episode with steve on this podcast Um, yeah but he definitely had that issue he started his new winery at these beautiful like apple trees right you know sort of creating a ring around his winery and then he started getting i think it's like a kind of i don't know what it was not brett it's not brett i don't know um but yeah yeah yeah, he cut it down cut him down and it went away Cause, and it was like they they discovered it because he had like a real uh, expert who came in and like was able to isolate what the the bacteria was that was causing the problem. And they're like, oh yeah, that's an apple trees um, that comes from apples. Huh. And interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it out there. Here goes our art. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Thanks, Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just put it on the other side of the. Uh, you guys probably have wild apples in the forest around oh, yeah. here. Why, why even plant? <laughs> we do have tons, but uh, we don't have a production facility just yet. So we'll take right. that under advisement. Okay, good. Right. I mean, you have time, not too much, but you have a little time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the sooner you have a production facility, like you could always start, you know, buying grapes or things just to play with, you know, and have a little totally your mental stuff yeah to be honest this year we're gonna clear the old garage and do uh probably a wild foraged co-ferment maybe following the footsteps of uh matt from uh 
North American press and make a co-ferment uh, grape apple uh, project. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I know I asked you this there and I don't expect that the answers change, but did you, have you, have you named your vineyard or your, that, your little slice of your project beyond your native grapes? Um, we haven't quite yet, you know, we're, we're still trying to, you know, uh, figure out where we want to take kind of a lot of these, these varieties. We're still seeing what will survive the winters, what will produce great wine. You know, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, so, I mean, we love dear native grapes as like that first chapter in our story and it will always be with us and we're always going to be searching out these varieties, right. And these these species. So it, we're never going to close the the chapter on that section. It will always be, um, where we started, but in terms of the the label we're we're not quite sure yet. I love that. It started with a a love letter with uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) a funny story. Every time someone (laughs) comes to our house, um, they ask for the Wi-Fi password. Um, say, well, the name is Dear Native Grapes, and the password is this is a love letter. And they start typing it, and they're like, Wait, this is Ugh. a love letter? Like, they're like, Oh, come can't on, type guys. it, it's too long. Yeah, and we're like, No, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, when we first made it, it was like, Oh, it's all about it the grapes, it wasn't like about us, it was just about what we were doing. And now everyone's always like, Oh, you love birds. I was like, It's not us. It's the grapes, grapes, guys. (laughs) No, and that's how I meant it. I, I mean, I just think it comes from a great, beautiful place. So it's, it's, uh, it's lovely. Um, (laughs) And now everybody knows if they are outside your house, they can steal free Wi-Fi. Yes. (laughs) Good luck. Oh yeah, it's it's, you know it's pretty slow (laughs) out out here. (laughs) You're better off going into town, getting a hot (laughs) or hanging out at the local McDonald's for some free Wi-Fi. (laughs) <laughs> well, is there any other way besides Instagram that people can follow along and see how things are progressing? Or is that is that the main avenue? I think so moment? far that's that's where we've been kind of uh putting our our progress. Um Got it. Uh gotta get around to the website. Gotta get around it's to it. It's on the list. It's on the to-do <laughs> yeah, list. Yeah. yeah, but that <laughs> you know, like you said, you're you're trying not to get ahead of yourself. So <laughs> with naming and stuff, and you I mean you could exactly. yeah. You got, you got time. Yeah. yeah Maybe I'll buy the domain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Maybe we should. <laughs> but follow us at Dear Native Graves. <laughs> That's where you can see all our progress. Uh, the fun times we're having out in the field. Um, our challenges during winter. Um, right. Sometimes they're personal, like, house renovation updates. Sometimes they're, like, cool articles we found. Um, but, yeah, it's all kind yeah. of amalgamated there. Yeah, I mean the the folks who who did the you know the biggest little farm, ha- they didn't have to deal with a New York winter. I'm just saying, you got <laughs> you got you got some stuff there. You got some material yeah. <laughs> to work with. Great, <laughs> I like <I'm> it. <laughs> awesome. Well, any any parting thoughts or anything? Any 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 words of wisdom from <laughs> what you've learned so far? Uh, I mean, since this is such a uh, a project that is just barely starting. Uh, one of the things we really uh, hope is that it will uh, open new doors and uh, strike new ideas for people who want to grow wine and, and do something where maybe before there wasn't a, 
away. And, uh, and so we hope this can be uh, inspiration or maybe just like a, you know, another tool in the toolbox. Um, yeah, a resource. As we, yeah. As we are farming in climate change and all the things that are coming our way in terms of that, um, yeah. maybe, you know, hopefully this will be a, a good resource for, for others who want to, who want to try doing this too. We hope to be a resource um, if anyone's thinking about starting out with native or hybrid grapes, like please ask us uh, for our opinions or if you just want to gut check something, like we're happy to talk about it. You know, we get just yeah. as, as excited as some of these um, expert grape breeders who have been trying to shepherd on these native and hybrid varieties for so long. They were so excited to talk to us and now we're so excited to pass on that knowledge. So um anyone who's, who's interested, please, please, uh, let us know, hit us up. That's great. I'm sure, you know, you guys could probably still even use more help and, and knowledge as well. If somebody has a, an inside track on something, you know, to reach out to you, to share knowledge, to, uh, just to build that community, um, I'm sure is also a great thing. Uh, yeah. And just, I mean, I just want to say, I think you guys are you know, starting something really beautiful for beautiful reasons. And it's a, it is, it feels like, I mean, I was honored to be part of it. I'll put it that way. It just felt like, uh, being part of history in a, in a real way, like in a small way, but in a real way. So it was very cool, I think. And I, that's, a, that's yeah, I think it's really, really a good thing. Thanks, Thank Adam. you, Adam. No, this was really special to, to yeah, come on and chat with you about it. We really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that as much as I did, please tell someone about the Organic Wine Podcast. I really do this podcast to just to bring exposure to the positive and inspiring work that people like Deanna and Alfie are doing with wine. And anything you can do to help spread the word would give these guys some much-deserved attention and maybe even make the world a better place. So if you have friends or customers who love wine and listen to podcasts, tell them about the Organic Wine Podcast. And if you want to support, of course, as always, please buy some wine at centraliswine.com. That's C-E-N-T-R-A-L-A-S wine.com. Centralis is my winery, and it's the sole sponsor of this podcast, though I am open to other sponsors as well. Cheers! <laughs>